The following podcast is produced or sponsored by a community member. The content, views, and opinions expressed are those of the participants and do not reflect those of the Belmont Media Center or the Town of Belmont. BMC welcomes your comments. Call us at 617-484-2443 or email us at access at belmontmedia.org. Welcome to the Hopeless Fancast, the podcast that loves fans as much as fans love pop culture. I'm your host, Eileen Maxson. Before you listen to our show, be pre-warned. There will be spoilers. For today's episode, we're talking with Jen uh, from Cedar Rapids, Iowa. And Jen, what is it that you do? I'm a conferencing event specialist. It's kind of a fancy title for I manage uh, conferencing events for our clients. Cool. Awesome. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Really good to have you. So today we're going to be talking about the show Happy. Now, before I get started, I should make it really clear that Happy is not a show for children. It is barely a show for adults. It's... (laughs) Definitely not a show for every adult, Uh, (laughs) but, you know, for the adults that it is for, it is absolutely delightful, but (laughs) it involves a lot of uh, questionable subject matter. So this would be a uh, an episode that I would put a a listener discretion advised label on. So (laughs) with that in mind, let's get into it. So Jen, happy. Yes. What do you love about this show? Well, um, a simple answer is it's absolutely bonkers. It's just <laughs> so crazy. And I, I really love that. It it challenges you from the opening scene, you know? Yeah. Uh, it's just, it's really dark. It's, it's graphic and violent. It's perverted. It's entirely diluted. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, you know, but it, but there's also kind of once the shock of what you're watching kind of fades, I'm not going to say it wears off or it goes away because <laughs> it, it just keeps coming at you. I, I'd say that it's really a show about finding your own power, mm, you know? Yeah. There are so many characters that are, you know, they kind of, you know, come upon it accidentally or are kind of forced into finding it. But that's kind of what I, I kind of I took away from it. It's really, you know, for on the surface being just like really out there and weird and violent and graphic. It's pretty smart, you know, that yeah. it's really kind of uh, do things that scare you because you know they're right. That was kind of the takeaway that I had from the show. But, you know, to be perfectly honest, the reason that I love Happy is that it is just so weird. Yeah. <laughs> It really, really is. Yeah, it's amazing. Like when uh, when Pete and I first watched the show, we had no expectations. We watched the first episode and we're like, what the hell was that? <laughs> and we're like, yeah. we, we don't know how to feel about that. And then we watched the next one and the next one's even crazier. And just every single episode, they just up 
the ante. It's amazing. Yeah, and I'm not sure how they keep it going. I'm not I really don't know how <laughs> it just gets crazier and crazier, but you're right, it does. Yeah, yeah. They do not let up at all. It's like, you know, balls to the wall one hundred and ten percent of the time. It is so yeah, much fun. It, <laughs> it, it it absolutely is. And you know, I, I had a similar experience, had no idea what the show was. We watched the first episode. And uh, my partner was like, what did we just watch? And I said, I don't know, but it was amazing. Let's watch more. (laughs) Yes, it's true. It's true. Oh, my gosh. And like like you mentioned, from the very first scene, they show that it's going to be just a crazy sort of show. And the very first scene, for those of you who haven't watched it, so the main character is a guy named Nick Sachs. He used to be a cop. Now he's a hitman. He is not having a very good life. And so the first scene has him in the bathroom of a dive bar, throwing up blood (laughs) and having this fantasy about committing suicide. And in the fantasy, he's blown the top of his head off and the blood is like floating in the air. And there are like go-go dancers all over the place. And he's like (laughs) dabbing. And every time he dabs, like blood sloshes out. It's crazy and like from that first moment you're like okay this is going to be something else absolutely i i adore christopher maloney and he is fantastic in that part in that role yeah i had i had known him before of course from svu um but of course in svu he plays someone who's who's pretty straight and kind of dull really so yeah (laughs) seeing him in this is amazing Absolutely. I completely agree. Yeah. So Nick Sachs, awesome. And it's really interesting because like the first episode, the name is Saint Nick. Mm-hmm. And, you you know, kind of there's there's the thought of, oh, well, it's a cute play on Saint Nick being Santa Claus. The whole show, the whole season, at least, takes place during Christmas. And there are many, many Christmas puns throughout it. But The interesting thing about it is that we learn things about Nick Sachs that make you wonder if it might not have been entirely a play on words. Uh, Like he says that he doesn't know whether or not he can die. And he has this ability to take so many things that, you know, should totally kill him and walk out I wouldn't say without a scratch. He gets a lot of scratches, but, you know, still walk out of it alive. Um, right. So I'm really curious, actually, about the character. What is it about him that, number one, allows him to do that? And number two, why is it that he can see Happy? Do you have any theories? Oh, Happy is the imaginary yeah. friend of his daughters. For those who haven't seen it, who should probably <laughs> just go see the show and then come back. <laughs> <laughs> so in this show that is incredibly violent, yes, and let's let's Not also for say children. there's yes. lots <laughs> of lots of substance abuse, yes, lots of yeah. There there there's... is an imaginary friend, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, yes, and there's also a lot of sex. Um... <laughs> Like, you know, not not like, you know, full on porn sex because it's still on regular cable TV. But yes, very suggestive. Yes, yes. very suggestive. Incredibly. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. So there's an imaginary friend. There's this right. uh, this blue flying unicorn called Happy and hence the title of the show. So, yeah. Why do you think Nick can see him? 
I've had a couple of thoughts, you know, when I was watching the show. Initially, the first thought was before we really met Haley and kind of got into that, into her character and his his relationship to her. Mm-hmm. Um, my thought was he he did kill himself. And this is all, you know, just like a in his dying brain kind of thing. But I'm not sure that that's actually the case. Happy is almost like I started thinking about Haley and, and her relationship to Nick and then the creation of Happy. And it's like Haley is almost like the embodiment of Nick's best self. Yeah, that's a good point. And, you know, Happy is this pure and innocent being creature, whatever. But the longer he's with Nick and the more he experiences Nick's world, the less innocent he becomes and the more like Nick he becomes. I'm not really sure, you know, what he stands for, but it's kind of like there's a spectrum and it goes from Haley to Nick and happy is kind of the indicator of where things are. That is really interesting. I love that. And, you know, the last line of the season is Happy saying that uh, that Nick needs a bump of booger sugar. Um, (laughs) So, you know, that tells you uh, exactly, you know, how far he's gone. Um, Right. (laughs) Yeah. Haley. Haley is amazing. I love Haley. She's one of my favorite characters. As a a little kid, she really is able to stand up for herself. Um, And like you said, it's it's her finding her power that, you know, she was able to to, uh, you know, stare down smoothie. And like Nick, she is afraid of things because she's a human being. Right. But she is so when I when I say unafraid, when it counts, it's like she's she's courageous. Yes, she's she's not without fear. She has the right amount of fear. <laughs> she yes. has the appropriate amount of fear, but she still does the right thing anyway. Yes, definitely. Like one of my favorite moments are uh, when Smoothie, who will definitely talk about Smoothie, um, (laughs) because he's probably my other favorite character. Um, He's my favorite character. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) He is so amazing. So yeah, so there's the the scene where, so one of the plot points is that Haley and a bunch of other kids have been kidnapped and are being basically turned into life-size dolls that will then go out to, I assume, pedophiles. It's a, it's a child trafficking ring, basically, that they, right. they wind up in. And they're about to be put into their boxes. And Smoothie, who is a bad guy, who we'll talk about in a moment, mm-hmm. walks through them and and he's, you know, making all these grandiose comments and then like throws a snide comment towards Haley and Haley flips him off. And it's such a perfect moment. Yeah, she she is not buying what you're selling, buddy. Well, and while while the other kids are cowering and doing exactly as they're told. Yes. You know, she's trying to figure out a way to escape or best the, you know, her captors and she's got chutzpah. She definitely does. And it's funny because she uh until the end, she has never met Nick. She's never met her father. Right. And yet she is totally his daughter. So yes. So that's pretty amazing. So let's talk a little about Smoothie. I love him. Why do you love him? Well, I mean, first of all, he is unapologetic for how completely gonzo he is about his job. And he is the embodiment 
of what a sadist is. You know, he doesn't torture or kill people because it's just his job. He does it because he really, really likes it. Yeah, he is entirely full of glee all the time uh, and usually completely covered in blood. Yes. Yeah. I mean, the best scene that just emphasizes that is the scene in the hospital after Nick has had a heart attack and Smoothie and the squad are sent there to kill him. Yes. And and Nick just takes out this guy, picks up a, a fire extinguisher and just starts just bludgeoning this guy to jelly. Uh-huh. And Smoothie is sitting there just watching and Nick's wa- looking at him, watching him do this. Yeah. And, you know, it's almost sexual. Yes. It, I mean, it, it is becomes definitely sexual. sexual. Yes. <laughs> it becomes sexual. Yes. Yeah. Yes, it does. That That is definitely a look of arousal that Smoothie is giving Nick as he, <laughs> as he totally destroys his other guy's head. Yes. He's so fantastic. And I'm, uh, I'm looking up the name of the actor. It's Patrick Fischler. The only other role that I've seen him in was uh, Twin Peaks, the, the most recent uh, season of Twin Peaks. He plays basically someone who is a fixer and sends in hitmen. So it's kind of the same sort of character, but this is totally turned to 11 in Happy. Yes, everything is turned to 11 in Happy. <laughs> <laughs> it is true. Every single, all the performances are like over the top in the most wonderful ways. Yeah, so Happy, um, <laughs> voiced by Patton Oswald, who is just fantastic. How do you feel about him as a character? I, I was not sold at first, I have to admit. You know, I felt that in in the first couple of episodes, it was kind of gimmicky. And I wasn't sure where they were, where the show was going with that character and the interaction with Nick Sachs. But by the middle of the second episode, he just becomes another character in the show. You know, you forget that he's completely ridiculous because the human characters are completely ridiculous. And actually, Happy makes more sense than some of the human characters. (laughs) It's true. So, I mean, he grew on me. um, And it it doesn't hurt that Patton Oswalt voiced Happy. I love Patton Oswalt. He's so funny. He really Um, is. But it was a great choice in casting. That's for sure. Yeah, it's really great how they sell him in the show. Because, you know, you're right. There's totally the chances of it going gimmicky and being silly and... And ridiculous in not a good way is really high mm-hmm. but the way that they handle him and have him be kind of I'm trying to think of the right word it's like well he evolves he you does. know it's not he he's not just this cutesy imaginary creature he has a personality and it becomes less Haley and more his own the longer he's away from her it seems but the thing that really cinched it for me mm-hmm. was when he went he met the other forgotten imaginary friends yes <laughs> that was just insane it was so awesome to see you know it's like oh well they didn't need me anymore and then he falls in with the bad ones and- right oh god and they are so bad yes. like you know we've seen human beings acting really terribly throughout the show and then we encounter imaginary friends who are acting really terribly oh my god the um russian roulette scene oh yeah and when it was over i mean it was so tense and it was like watching people and you it ended and i was like oh my god and then i was like these aren't even real things they're not even like toys yeah they're 
imaginary friends. <laughs> <laughs> it's like they're not real. They're not yeah. actually there, except they kind of are. They kind of are. Yeah. yeah. It's wild. And, you know, of course, they do it in like the cutest way possible that the, the pistol doesn't actually have a, a bullet. It has one of those flags that comes out and says bang. Bang. Right. Except it comes out through the head of another, <laughs> another imaginary friend, Mr. Pancake Man, um, mm -hmm. and like pushes his brain out of the other side uh, and then says bang. And it's like it's oh, it's so bizarre, but perfect. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, and I love how he gets to the point where he actually winds up killing the bad imaginary friend. I can't think of his name. Yeah, it was like, it was a three-headed dog, basically. Yeah. I don't yeah. know if we actually got a name, but whatever it was, it was a three-headed dog, which is interesting because of Blue. We'll get that in a minute. So he winds up killing this thing and then kind of angsting over it because he had never killed anything before. Right. Of course, Nick is pleased as punch. He's incredibly proud he's right. like you killed somebody ah that's great <laughs> it's your first you never forget your first and he's like you know do you remember your first and nick is like well yeah i told you i remember huh wait a second i don't remember it's like you've killed so many people nick you have no idea who the first one you don't was. even know who the first one was right no nope, nope. <laughs> one of thousands but uh yes yeah, so let's let's talk about blue okay oh my god <laughs> so yes yeah, so blue is kind of your classic mobster italian has this great italian accent he has nephews who he winds up having killed actually in like the first episode he has them killed by nick and then he's responsible for Haley being kidnapped by child traffickers um, and all the other kids. He doesn't know that it's Nick's kid at the time, but he's the one who is responsible for, well, at least he's the one who is materially responsible for it. He's the one right. that makes it happen. The guy who's ultimately responsible for it, we'll also talk about in a minute. But yeah, so he's this amazing mobster character who is also just entirely over the top. Yeah, so, completely. Yeah. So what do you like about Blue? I like that even though he is kind of a stereotypical mob bossy kind of character mm -hmm. he's smart you know he's not easily tricked he's a little obsessed with killing he doesn't do it because it's part of the job i think that he also kind of gets off on it which is kind of a running theme in the characters in this show <laughs> it's true it's true yeah <laughs> but you know and there's there's something there that i'm not sure i mean i think that i need to watch the rest of uh the first season again because it felt like there was something there like he had a wife and kid and he obviously cared about them but you know there was something there that didn't allow him to connect completely with them and I think that it's the same kind of I mean he's obviously a sociopath I mm -hmm. think that everyone in the show is is at some level a sociopath <laughs> it's true um, but um, you know there, there's something there's something that he connects to but it's like having a word on the tip of your tongue it's like you feel like you almost find out what what it is that he's really connected to, but you just never actually do, mm, you know, it's like, yeah. it's 
us in the next scene. We're going to find out what it is that really motivates him. And I feel like we never do. And that's awesome because it's it just propels you through the show. I mean, you know, that's just I feel like this world is so rich because yeah. of the, the characters that you come across and you can't fully know quickly like in life. It's it's I think that's great. And I think that he's, you know, not a single dimensional mob boss guy. I think he's got a lot of depth to the character and I, I hope to learn more about him especially in the next season yes yes like he, he definitely wants more he's not satisfied with his life the way that it is he wants right. more and he he feels that he's owed that too again one of the main plot points is that Lou's nephew Mikey has come home from Italy where he was at the deathbed of basically the Grand Don so you know the head of the crime family and he right. comes home and he says that he has a password that the Grand Don gave him right before he died. And that's kind of what starts the whole struggle between uh, Nick Sachs and Blue. Well, one of the things. It's one of the things that that's, there's a lot of things that happen at the same time. But people think that Mikey so Nick kills Mikey. Mikey comes back from the dead. Although that's actually kind of questionable as to whether or not it's Mikey. But uh, they think that Mikey whispered the password to Nick before he died so there are people trying to kill him for it and then other people who are with Blue who they don't want him to die before he can tell Blue the password so that's what starts happening and the sense I get is that Blue just really wants to be the Grand Don you know he wants to be the one in charge because he's not he is basically working for Mr. Bug and uh, yes so he he's upset about that that he's getting kids and running a child sex ring for Mr. Bug, who we should probably talk about. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have some ideas about the password and what ah. might happening there. So I really hadn't thought about it in too much depth until you had asked me. And so I started thinking about it more. And at first it was like, well, it could be the password to the mob's fortune, which, you know, money motivates everyone. But then I started thinking about it. And I started thinking about how Nick had a heart attack after Mikey whispered in his ear. And I started thinking maybe it isn't really a password. And the Grand Don maybe was just like a meat suit for whatever entity was the Grand Don and he gave it to Mikey to bring to Blue. Yeah, yeah. I think that's what's going on. At one point, Mikey's mom, who is Blue's sister, who's wonderful in and of herself, she goes to uh, the Strega, the witch, who helped her lure her undead son back to her, basically. And the Strega, she had been totally into it until she had seen Mikey. Mikey and was like, nope, nope, he, he yep. is wrong. I'm not doing anything more to do with this. Yeah. And she says to Isabella, is that her name? Mm-hmm. I think so. I think he, so. Yeah. he says, to, she says to Isabella that Mikey was giving Orcus to Blue, that the Grand Don had, give, had given Mikey Orcus and then Orcus was going to Blue. And I looked it up and Orcus was a basically a god of death. 
and the underworld. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. Which makes the three-headed imaginary friend really interesting, (laughs) I think. And it also explains that last scene, which I had said that the uh, bump of booger sugar was the last line, but it actually wasn't. After the credits, there's another scene in the last episode where Mikey sees Blue in the prison. He's in the visiting room. Mm -hmm. Mikey, like, breathes into the holes in the plexiglass. Mm -hmm. And then he falls over. Blue kind of has this convulsion, stands up, removes his glasses, turns to the guard next to him and says, I'm hungry in a British accent. Ah, yeah. I don't think saw that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Watch it again. I hadn't realized that it was, you know, a British accent, but I, I had started to look and think, OK, well, yeah, maybe this is him taking on the demon that was the Grand Dawn right. uh, or, you know that was inhabiting the Grand Dawn and now is inhabiting him. And that he now is a different person. You know, he doesn't need his glasses and he's actually speaking in a different accent, which the actor actually is British. That is very interesting. Yeah. We'll see how that goes because that's definitely going to be, you know, a huge part of season two. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And that ties into what I was thinking about Mr. Bug. You know, just... Could we be more Kafka-esque? It's true. It's true. That's very, yeah. Like a competing demon or maybe not a demon. Maybe, although Sunny Shine is a terrible, terrible human being. Oh, my God. Okay, so Sunny Shine, for those of you who haven't seen this show and totally should see this show, um, (laughs) (laughs) is basically a human version of the Teletubbies. He is a children's entertainer and... And uh, he has this this show where children come to see the show and then children are just kind of plucked away from his shows and wind up one of the kids in one of these boxes. And it turns out that he is Mr. Bug, who is this guy literally wearing a bug costume who is ordering Blue around. Yeah, yeah. it's so weird. I was just, as you were saying, describing who he was, I was thinking about the scene when uh, Haley's mother goes to confront Sunny Shine and then sneaks away and hides in the building and then comes upon the like bug version of Eyes Wide Shut. Yes. Oh my God. <laughs> it was so bizarre. So weird. There's just so much of that that I I just can't even yeah and it's weird too because you know you look at it and you're like okay well these are all people in these strange animal themed S&M costumes basically but then they have these kind of like Teletubbies these like big felt creatures that come in and you think that they're people in suits but then they take the heads off and they're like mounds of flesh that are like not human at all it's very strange and then at one point one of them gets shot and what comes out of him isn't blood but the same stuff that came out of the imaginary friend that happy killed so yeah have any idea what's going on there (laughs) well uh, yeah I mean I, like I said, I needed I need to watch that particular episode again because there was so much going on and so much to like comprehend in that episode. It's true. But <laughs> now that now that you um, bring that up, it's it's like maybe they're the if those kind of sick and twisted imaginary friends are the imaginary friends of people who 
you know, have mental illness, what are, what about the people that are truly deranged? You know, are they the, the imaginary friends of the, of those people? Right. And who are imaginary friends that are so powerful that they can like appear to other people. Well, and what gives (laughs) them that power, you know? Yeah. Well, I was thinking that Happy says at one point that (laughs) the big ugly Santa Claus, he couldn't touch him unless he believed in him. So I guess there's a question of what does it mean to believe in these creatures? Like, you know, who is believing in them? (laughs) And why? And why? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I guess maybe they're just embodiments of fantasy. Yeah, that makes sense. Really distressing embodiments of (laughs) of fantasy. You know, it makes me think I would I would hate to see Smoothie's imaginary friend. Exactly. It's like, "Mm, yeah, no. Well, we haven't talked about uh, the Santa Claus at all. The very bad Santa. The very bad Santa. I'm trying to see if he has, does he even have a name? Let me see. No, it is just very bad. Santa. Uh, Wikipedia has him as uh, so the the actor is Joseph D. Reitman. It says a delusional drug addicted psychopath dressed like Santa Claus who kidnaps children. And that's just totally scratching the surface right there. Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. So it's this guy in a Santa outfit and not just like a a plain Santa outfit. He's got toys and ornaments. Yeah. 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 And dirt. And dirt. (laughs) And all sorts of drugs. Yes, he is he's definitely gross in lots and lots of ways. And he's the one who is going around kidnapping kids at the order of blue. So he is a seriously messed up person, but in a really interesting way, right? He's almost childlike. Yeah. Like he's sinister in that he seems as though he truly doesn't understand what he's doing is wrong or hurtful. He's doing this because he likes it and he thinks I think he believes that the kids like it too yeah and and the it in question is that he picks out kids that he really likes and that he doesn't want to grow up and he basically lobotomizes them with a drill and then keeps them in toyland yes oh my goodness but yeah i agree i think that he he really genuinely believes that he is saving them somehow well i i think that the snippet of his backstory that we are allowed to see is that his childhood was lovely, but then he grew up and everything became terrible. He, you know, well, I guess I shouldn't say his childhood was lovely. His childhood (laughs) was not as terrible as his adulthood. We can leave it at that. Right, right. His father was a mall Santa himself who had a thing for kids and then killed himself. And then he says that he was uh, forced to grow up basically, and that he didn't want to grow up and he hated it so much that he decided to save kids from it. By kidnapping them and lobotomizing them. Basically. (laughs) Because nothing says love like a lobotomy. Oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it's so terrible. Because, you know, he is clearly entirely delusional. He sees these kids that he's drilled into the frontal lobe of as toys, you know, life size, like a soldier and a ballerina. And then, you know, we see them as they really are. And they are teenagers for the most part with holes drilled into the middle of their foreheads. Right. 
Yeah, but he also sees Happy. He sees him. Yeah. He's able to touch him. He eats him at one point. I, and that was something that, I mean, I, I found that very interesting that he not only could he see him, he had a great deal of animosity toward Happy. Yeah, which when you think about it, because we meet his imaginary friend later on and his imaginary friend had abandoned him. So you can imagine that he doesn't like imaginary friends, maybe because of that possibly definitely syncs up with his other abandonment issues oh man the guy's issues have issues (laughs) (laughs) that's true The scene with his uh, with his imaginary friend, too, because Happy runs into him at the, I don't know, Imaginary Friends Anonymous meeting, right. <laughs> <laughs> which is hilarious. I'm, uh, I'm thinking of the, the Bo Peep doll. <laughs> I'm wondering if I could actually get away with saying what she says, and I probably can't. But <laughs> let's just say that 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 she uh, she is not afraid of monsters. She's afraid of boys getting her friend pregnant. And she has a very uh, earthy way of expressing that. And she's probably not wrong about being afraid. <laughs> no, definitely not. <laughs> So yeah, so he runs into the imaginary friend of the very bad Santa and uh, has an, <laughs> a really brilliant scene of Happy trying to get information out of him. Yeah. I don't know about you, but the minute the, um, what's it called? Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right. Here I am stuck <laughs> in the middle with you. The minute that started playing, I was just cackling. <laughs> <laughs> I probably was too. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> we're getting the Reservoir Dogs seed here. And he's like dancing around. Yeah. And then he pulls out a feather the same way that the Reservoir Dogs guy pulls out, you know, a knife and uh, goes in to tickle him. And that's how you torture sure. an imaginary, an imaginary friend. friend. <laughs> or at least how happy tortures imaginary friends. True, true. Yeah. So one of the really interesting things, and we've, we've touched on this a little bit here and there, is this world that they're in. It's a world where there are imaginary friends who are real, quote unquote. I mean, you know, they say that they're not real, but they seem pretty real. And then there are people who at some point, I think it's it's Mikey at the beginning says something about how they're demons, but they look like people. Right. So we have, you know, like Sunny Shine, who is clearly demonic. Totally, people should have seen that. It's like, right. you know, you watch his show and it's like why why are people letting their children watch this and at one point they uh nick tries to find where a fortune cookie was purchased so that he can find the bad santa and we go to the fortune cookie factory and the owner believes 100 percent that the cookies basically wait until they match up with the person they're supposed to be matched up with and it's amazing. So you, <laughs> so you have this, you know, and, and there's also talk of like fate. Um, so you have this world that's incredibly, that's incredibly complex and has this really interesting cosmology to it that, you know, it's not just people. There's also kind of supernatural forces. Yeah, I, I really felt like it had kind of the, the tinge of being created by a child. So, you know, there are really scary things that aren't necessarily scary, but 
you know, and through the eyes of a child or the imagination of a child, things are weirder and, you know, much more frightening than they might be to, say, a jaded adult or, you know, someone who has learned to just move through their life without with blinders on, maybe, you know, Hmm, it just seemed it just seemed like that this was the quote unquote real world that people don't see because they're so focused on what the world that they've created, the bubble around them. And the whole idea that there is fate or that fortune cookies seek the right person for the right fortune, it just struck me as very childlike. That's true. That's a really good point. Like, I wonder at some point, if at some point we're going to like encounter God, quote unquote. Oh, wow. You know, (laughs) and if maybe God is, you know, a child, um, little boy, little girl. Yeah. And even like just as a story, it does a really great job of, you know, like you said, that basically giving grown up fears in a childlike setting. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think like, yeah yeah it's it's more I mean maybe childlike is not the right phrase to use but like a, a naive you know what what I was thinking of was how our ancestors saw comets and thought that they were demons or something flying magic flying through the air but now that we have come as far as we have we understand what they are we can explain what they are so it wasn't it's not necessarily childlike it's just maybe maybe a a smaller awareness Hmm. of reality. You know, like we've just barely scratched the surface of what reality is. Right, right. Yeah. And that's also something that the show does really well, just kind of stripping back, you know, oh, you thought that this is the way that things were? Well, here's another layer (laughs) that you weren't thinking of. (laughs) Yeah, let me show you this. Right, right. (laughs) It's like, oh, my God. Oh, now I'm thinking of a scene that I definitely can't talk about. (laughs) (laughs) I'm tempted to just talk about it and then we'll have to clip it out Um, which of course you probably know what scene I'm thinking of Uh, it's the one with uh, Smoothie explaining how he became known as Smoothie Mm. that scene like it was funny because when we were watching it both times that I you know came to it I'm gonna I like turned to Pete and I'm like I am not going to be able to put this in the podcast like you know everything (laughs) else I can kind of talk around and whatnot and kind of you know do a good PG-13 it's like no uh (laughs) I am not going to be able to talk about uh smoothie and how smoothie became known as smoothie well you've saved a lovely tidbit for your listeners to go and discover on their own it's true it's true (laughs) with the caveat that like if you thought that the other stuff was suggestive like this isn't even suggestive this just plain i mean really i'm I'm a little surprised that they got away with it even on you know a cable channel i didn't think about that but you're absolutely right (laughs) it's like you know this isn't hbo after dark this is sci-fi and they have this scene where you know if you want to know what happens (laughs) my dear listeners you need to watch it and uh don't say Hey, I didn't warn you. Uh, <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah. Well, and it's interesting. Like, you know, we were talking about how the bad Santa has this innocence to him. And he's just, you know, he does terrible things. And he kind of knows that they're terrible. But at the same time, he kind of has, in a very twisted way, kind of has the best of intentions. 
Right. And you see this kind of contrast in a lot of the, the characters because like Blue's kid is really messed up. Yeah. You know, he's he's a child who is not innocent at all. There is no innocence in that child whatsoever. Yeah. And I I kind of like I thought about how the kids seemed to be more aware of what was real Mm -hmm. and the adults seem to lean more towards naivete and innocence. You know, like what is her name? The the cop that was Mixack's partner. Mary. Mary. You know, she's all hard bitten and terrible and a bad cop and whatever but like the farther they go into it you know I don't think she gets better but she she, like starts to become less hard bitten right you know like more things start to move her she starts having more real feelings yeah well she starts off pretty conflicted but still pretty firmly in Blue's pocket but yeah through the the course of it she gets to the point where where she does start getting better in a lot of ways you know it's it's really interesting how she gets involved in the whole thing with Nick's daughter yeah yeah because Mary which is spelled M-E-R-R-Y um so another Christmas huh I didn't know that yeah She was Nick Sachs' partner when he was still a cop. And they had an affair that basically was part of what broke up Nick and his wife. But what really broke up Nick and his wife was the fact that she was pregnant with Haley and he wanted to have nothing to do with it, in large part because he had just been involved in a crime where there was a guy who had been beating up his wife and the guy killed his wife and then put their baby in a microwave. As you do. As you do. Well, there's the song, you know, don't put the baby in the microwave. This guy's never heard (laughs) that song. So... Parenting 101. <laughs> yeah. Baby, microwave, they don't go together. No. Uh, yeah. Mm, no, definitely not. Also, your listeners should know we are both parents. Yes. Yes, we are. <laughs> Successful parents. <laughs> yes. <laughs> this is one of those shows where it's like, you know, I need to watch a bunch of it to talk about it on the podcast, and I cannot watch it with the kids at home, or they have to be in bed. We're getting to the point with Colby. Actually, with both of them, we started kind of, you know, dipping into our rated movies Colby's 14 and Josie's almost 12 so we've watched like Terminator and The Matrix and The Shining oh Um, yeah yeah The Shining is my favorite movie so yeah Yeah, no my (laughs) my older son is 18 so all bets are off right (laughs) (laughs) that's the point it's like okay I hope I raised you right yeah yeah (laughs) <laughs> well there's that one that one scene too that reference to the shining in uh the show where uh the prostitute which nick goes back to for help at one point is seen in the situation where at the end of the shining there's the guy in the dog costume who is orally pleasuring uh, <laughs> another guy and then you see them yep. through a doorway they basically re- reproduce that scene yep. in the show so yes so Mary's getting better. She loses her mother, which uh, is sad because her mom was basically the pressure point that Blue had on her. Right. Um, but at the same time, she was, you know, the last person that Mary had because her father had died in the line of duty some years before. So yeah, I don't know if she completely goes good. Probably not, but she does bring yeah. in Blue. So yeah, I'm not sure that it's 
yeah, I'm not sure it's possible for her to go completely good. And the only reason she would would be as a foil to whatever Blue is now, you know, to be a target. You know, it's like she finally turned her life around after everything she's been through. And then, you know, along comes Demon Blue. Right, right. He comes back and just messes it all up again. Yeah. I am sad, though, that, well, it's not clear that Smoothie dies. Right. Like, he gets shot. And he gets shot in, like, the eye. But he also, he, like, falls through a wall. But you don't really see him dead. Like, I could totally see him with an eye patch or something i was just going to say (laughs) (laughs) it's like he's gonna be this this one-eyed or some crazy prosthetic eye oh my god (laughs) (laughs) oh something that they'll have to like do cgi right exactly (laughs) have him wear like a green shell Oh man, that that that'll be interesting. Because I can't believe that they would get rid of him. No, he's too perfect. He's yeah, so I'd be very sad if he were gone. <laughs> <for good. laughs> oh man, this show. Oh, yeah. so yeah. I'm trying to think of like the the other adults and whatnot. The two ladies who are uh, in the uh, police station the um what is it called like when when a police officer does something that they're not supposed to and then they oh, get internal internal, internal affairs, uh, affairs. yes yeah. the two ladies from internal affairs that was interesting um and it really made it very clear that the entire police department is corrupt that basically they're like yeah you're not supposed to be trying to find these kids you're supposed to be you know working on this scaramucci thing and it's like wow there are t- totally on the take every single one of them yeah which is interesting because it's like the institutions can't be trusted at all the police department is corrupt when he winds up in the hospital it's a mob hospital right and the uh you know the kids entertainers are pedophiles and probably demons of some sort right so like all the things that people are supposed to be trusting absolutely cannot be trusted and then you have nick who is just kind of in this limbo state he doesn't really belong to anyone if someone pays him he'll do what they want but he doesn't actually belong to anybody it's true and you know it does beg the question what is the motivator if if he is that disconnected and disenfranchised how is happy able to convince him to search for Haley? yeah and, and he does so with so much fervor you know he is so dedicated to saving Haley you know like if that's that he sees that as his salvation you know saving this little girl who is his daughter that he's never met before yeah and you know Nick I want to say Nick wants to be a good person but I don't think that that's entirely true Um, right (laughs) (laughs) because he definitely has no problem whatsoever with killing people anything no problem with sex or you know he has no problem with whatever smoothie is (laughs) He has no problem. I mean, aside from the fact that Smoothie's trying to kill him, he does have a problem with that. Yeah. It it, it is really interesting that he does have this uh, very strong self-preservation instinct, considering he was fantasizing about killing himself. Right. Yeah. Well, he doesn't have 
quite enough of it to like not drive his cars off the you know interstate right it's amazing how many cars he goes through (laughs) in a season it's like i can think of three i think there might be four and none of them turn out well so yeah yeah but he has enough self-preservation to like not just let himself get killed and then also has enough complete lack of you know of regard for his safety to take on the guys in chinatown and rather than just you know running away that scene was amazing uh, yeah. <laughs> that whole episode was fantastic like it was the whole thing with the yin yang fish oh yeah mm-hmm. oh my god everything about this this show is distressing but you know that's also very distressing probably even more so because those things actually exist oh really yes <laughs> people actually do that um so a yin yang fish for the listeners at home is a fish that has been cooked whole just enough so that it doesn't die. And so the yin and the yang of it is that the fish is simultaneously alive and on your plate ready to be eaten. Very distressing. (laughs) Well, and I'm not sure if the scene watching him eat it. Yeah. He was fairly distressed eating it. (laughs) (laughs) well happy was really appalled when he's like how could you do that and uh nick was like it was an act of mercy (laughs) he's picking his teeth with one of the bones oh man yeah So yeah, but it's it's really interesting. I'm trying to think exactly at what point Nick decided to go with Happy. Because at first, of course, he's like, okay, I'm hallucinating. Right. And then he's like, okay, well, clearly he's real because he was able to see that there were five bad guys coming to get me right. uh, from the other side of the door. But there's no way in hell that I'm going to find this kid because she's not even my kid. And then eventually he decides to go with him and to find Haley. Yeah, I, I, you know, it just, it worked because the mood was set in the beginning of the show of just how messed up Nick Sachs is. And, you know, I I think that up until that scene in the hospital with the thugs and smoothie, you know, you just get the idea that the only really weird thing in the show is Nick. Like you you get the idea that he's really the only weird thing. I mean, the Scaramucci brothers are, you know, like your movie stereo- stereotypical bumbling mobster wannabes, like the fringe family of the mob. But it isn't until, you know, Happy appears and then Smoothie appears and it just builds. And so you just kind of accept it because it's like the frog in the water that stays in the water even (laughs) though it's getting hotter and hotter and hotter until it boils because you just don't notice how weird it's getting until it's like so weird you're like whoa that's so weird (laughs) yeah that's a really really good way to to put it too oh man i can just imagine people you know going out and and, uh binge watching this it's like oh man you might need therapy after a binge of that it's true it's so true (laughs) i mean i think about people i know who are not that aren't drawn to this kind of thing, you know, this kind of weird show, what have you. Mm-hmm. Just someone stumbling upon the show, not really knowing what it is, and watching even just one episode. I just can't <laughs> imagine. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> oh, my God. I could just imagine. Like, yeah, yeah. Like, the, the expression on their face afterward, like, just, you know, their jaw on the floor. It's like, what the hell did I just watch? What yeah, what was that? <laughs> Am I supposed to understand what happened? (laughs) 
you know, it's, I was already like pretty close to that. And I'm, you know, I like this sort of stuff. Exactly. So, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Josh turned to me after the first one. He was like, what was that? And I said, fantastic. That's what it was. It's <laughs> <laughs> incredible. Oh, my God. I think at some point, like maybe the second or third episode, Pete was like, I don't know if I like this or not. It's like, I'll <laughs> keep watching because it's really great. And it's, you know, it's it's engaging and I want to know what happens. But I'm not sure if I should like this or not. It's like, no, just let go, man. Just let go. Just like it. It's wonderful. <laughs> So there's going to be a season two, and uh, it actually might start coming out uh, before this episode of the podcast airs. It's supposedly it's coming out in 2019. I don't exactly know when. It would be kind of cheesy for them to do another Christmas episode. Maybe they'll do another holiday. Well, you know, Easter follows Christmas, so. It's true. There could be a lot of like, there was already like a lot of Christ imagery mm -hmm. in the show, like a lot of it. Like when Nick Sachs like falls back onto the train tracks he does it by like extending his arms out as he's falling <laughs> mary wakes up on her father's grave with her arms outstretched and a gun on one hand and her badge on the other there's more than that so yeah there's kind of this interesting undercurrent of christianity which is yeah. really interesting it's like you know a lot of people would be like oh my god this show is so blasphemous <laughs> but you know it's like yes yes it on is so many love so many levels <laughs> on so many levels it's totally blasphemous but at the same time you know it kind of gets that nitty-gritty you know i i think like flannery o'connor would love yeah. this show oh yeah <laughs> Because she's totally into, you know, the nitty gritty strangeness of theology, basically. I think she would totally dig it, which now makes me want to, like, go back and read Wise Blood, uh, which is uh, Flannery O'Connor's, one of her well-known works. That's actually really, you know, it's not to this level quite, but it has kind of the same themes to it. Anyway, that was totally a side <laughs> sidebar there. But yeah, so uh, season two, what do you think we'll see? What would you like to see other than smoothie? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I hope that it continues with the weird. I love that. I would really hate to see too much tied up neatly. I would rather have things, you know, not left completely resolved. Uh, you know, I, I like that. I mean, I would, there has to be some resolution or we wouldn't be able to move forward. I, I'd love to see what happens with Blue. You know, absolutely uh, see the comeback of Smoothie, of One-Eye Smoothie. One-Eye Smoothie. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, my goodness. If I have any trepidation, it would be, you know, the arc it appears to be flowing toward a, a familial rec reconciliation between Nick and I don't remember his wife's name and Haley. Amanda, um, I think. Um, that sounds right. Yeah. But, you know, in this world, even if they were able to reconcile somewhat, it still would not be a happily ever after reconciliation. Yeah. So, you know, that could be okay. But yeah, I just... And I, I believe, I have faith that, that, that they will not be like, and everyone gets their comeuppance and the family is together and they live in this beautiful house with a white picket fence. <laughs> you know, I, I cannot imagine that they would go anywhere near that kind of territory. So I could imagine um, them like nodding to it, like, you know, having this mm -hmm. nice, happy, shiny life and then seeing that the house is on a soundstage and... 
yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And one or both of Nick and Amanda are like robots or something. Yeah, absolutely. Something weird. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Well, cool. Thank you so much for being on the show. Well, thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to the Hopeless Fancast. You can follow us on Twitter at Hopeless Fancast, on our Facebook page, The Hopeless Fancast, and find all of our episodes on hopelessfancast.com. If you enjoy our show, please consider becoming a patron. Go to patreon.com slash thehopelessfancast to find out more. Thank you, and we'll see you soon.